Hey, you've made it to Spryspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Spryspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Six dollar hats, impervious to the snow. Not sure when I fell, but now we're in love. And it feels blind. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sprice Bass Podcast. I'm Lacey, and today Chad and I are joined by another amazing musician, Ms. Daughtry Veen. Daughtry is a composer, singer, musician, and instigator of all the fun things. Uh, She sings, plays piano, ukulele, accordion, and cornet. I didn't even know cornet was a thing. Uh, From Austin, Texas, Daughtry calls her music Southern Fried Jazz, which I'm totally into. Uh, Original songs for a lazy afternoon on the porch. Uh, Daughtry is in Megan Mullally's band, Nancy and Beth, and composed and led the 25-piece minor mishap marching band. I can't wait to hear more about that. Daughtry, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm are doing you, well. Are you medium? Are you low? Are you high? Where are you at today? I think I'm doing pretty well. Good. Yeah. I like I'm to in hear that. I'm in a pretty that. good mood this week. Zero is you're having the worst time ever. Ten I mean, is the best. We're still in a pandemic, so ten is like a hard call, right? Yeah, I agree. So I've, I've adjusted my whole scale. Mm-hmm. To uh, I've lowered my expectations so that I can reach my goals <laughs> of feeling good. How's that? I'm not sure I've I've been above a seven in 18 months. You know, yeah, like indeed. I don't indeed. But yeah, so, I feel I feel fine. So give me the background between you two here for a minute. Okay, well, uh, it's 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 very neat. I've known Daughtry for quite a while. Um, I moved to Seattle in about the year 2000, and I, I met Daughtry, I think, through our mutual friends, David Dressel and Willow. Yep. And David played bass in my band, and I ran a recording studio with David, just a super great friend of mine. I miss him so much. And uh, But but the, the best thing was that we were all music musicians and songwriters, and it was, a, it was such a neat time where we were all trying to give it our all, uh, try to be professional musicians, you know, uh, make a living out of it and put everything we had into our art. And uh, of course, it was I was in my mid 20s. So I was like, wahoo, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and I had a blast doing anything. Was he like that, Daughtry? He was. <laughs> we were all very enthusiastic. Yeah, I, I remember doing songwriting, especially with songwriting. We all were just like, hey, there's this thing songwriting it's a craft and you can get better at it and you can work hard and i remember a songwriter in the round parties at daughtry's house and it was just where we would just go around and each person you know play and sing a song that we wrote or the, one of my favorite parts was we'd have an improv thing where we're all playing the same song and we'd go around in the circle and each person would take a take a verse you know and and just improvise and make it up on the spot and oh man i had a blast during those times 
Well, so nice to be able to have a little reunion here. This makes me so happy to be a part of. Yeah, it's great. So, Daughtry, I always like to start with a question about social media. Our focus at Spry is this concept of social media for good. And so what good is social media if it can't spark some joy in our life? So tell me about a piece of social media content that you saw recently that brought you joy. There are probably quite a few things that that I could answer with you know like there's mm-hmm. this awesome series of photos of a dog in a turtleneck that are oh. really cute or uh, I saw some young woman had just gotten into optometry school and she like filmed her parents reading letter and her parents mm. are just like overjoyed excited for her and her dad's the cutest but honestly the the thing that I that really came to mind very first when you said that was um, a couple of the epidemiologists that I follow and like getting really good information Mm. from them, which I realized might be incredibly risky because you can also get disinformation on social media. Um, So you have to really filter out who, who you're, you're following. But yeah, news came out. I think it was yesterday that the Indian variant like Covavax, which is AstraZeneca, manufactured in India is like working on the Indian variant and and Moderna works and Pfizer works and um yeah so that was honestly the thing that brought me the most joy was like oh thank god like the vaccines are still working yeah you know it's funny there are so many kind of light little joyful happy things that can spark that joy but social media as a means of really getting good information I mean, that's over, that is overlooked a lot because of the fact that there is a sense of disinformation that happens a lot. But as long as, just like you said, as long as you're doing a little research on who you're following and, and, um, you know, you're confident in those sources, it's, it's an unbelievable place to learn and be in touch with, with current events and things that are going on. So. Dottri, did you say that you, I mean, I think I remember you lived in India for a number of months, didn't you? Um, yeah, I've been to India three times. I spent about eight months there, but it was a really long time ago. Um, but yeah, I would love to. Yeah, go definitely someday. have watched that situation because it's a very, it's a, it's a very hard place to control something like a virus mm-hmm. with that population cra- density. Yeah, they're just so crowded together. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a real challenge. But they're also a kind of an amazing, you know, they have a lot of medical science and technology there, and and um, a ton of super smart people. And I think they're going to be. They're going to figure it out. It's just going to take a minute. Well, I want to turn our attention towards uh, music for a minute, okay? So talk to me a little bit about, you know, your individual passion for music, songwriting, performing. How did you get into this? When? And and what do you love about it? Mm, Well, um, songwriting is my most favorite aspect of music. I do a number of things. I I write and compose. I... um, I play, of course. I play in other people's bands, like Megan's band. Um, I lead a big brass band, but the songwriting is really from is like the thing that's closest to my heart. Um, and I think it's also because I th- I think it's the hardest thing to do. I tried since I was a little kid to write songs. Our our neighbors when I was five moved to Australia. They gave us the piano. Just got moved across the street, and that's why I play piano, basically. Like in the most basic way. Um, it was just somebody gave my family one and I was like, oh, cool. And I remember immediately trying to figure out how to write songs. And it took me decades to write things that I liked. And um, and I feel like I really got to where I liked what I wrote 
really shortly before I met Chad, actually. Living in Seattle. So I live in Austin now. And I lived in Austin before I lived in Seattle as well. And I didn't have as much community in Seattle. And I spent a bunch of time. I remember like living on Alki Beach, like alone, um, which is a beautiful place to live alone. But it resulted in a bunch of composing because uh, I couldn't just always be out, which was actually a blessing. It was great. I love when you're talking about it, just seeing your hand on your, on your heart like that, you know, you don't, it's not something people do intentionally, but when we talk about things that we love, it's like, we can't kind of help, but feel the energy coming from that space. That was, that was beautiful. Now, you know, we're, we're over a year into pandemic. Okay. And so things have been cuckoo bananas on so many fronts, but um, there is one thing that was kind of interesting that you were able to do during pandemic with minor mishap marching band. So can you just give me a, first of all, a brief overview on what the heck that exactly is for those of us who aren't in the music world all the time. And then tell me about the project that you were able to do during pandemic. Yeah. So minor mishap marching band is a brass band that I started here in Austin, Texas. Um, actually it was, shortly after I moved back from Seattle and I moved here and um, I had worked so hard in Seattle and and um, I came here and I couldn't even get a gig because no one knew who I was and it was super frustrating. And I was like, fine, I'm going to do something just totally different. And um, I ended up starting this. It's generally about 25 pieces and we call it like a renegade brass band or something. And uh, initially I thought that we would play other people's music but of course being loving songwriting I immediately composed for it and now <laughs> now I I wrote I write at least 90% of what we play yeah and it's been around for like 11 or 12 years now so that's been this this other huge aspect of my life is this big and and, and one of the main focuses of minor mishap is to build community that's that's an intention behind it it's a bit different than when you start a band to be a professional musician and make a living at it. For one thing, you don't want to split money 25 ways if you're trying to make a living at something. <laughs> um, so it was started with a really different intent and an intent of building community. And I think it's been amazing at that. Um, it's been quite a journey, but I'm super close to everybody in the band. And we're kind of like a big family and we go to New Orleans every year. Um, in 2020, amazingly, we went three weeks before Mardi Gras instead wow. of Mardi Gras weekend because, of course, Mardi Gras ended up being a super spreader. Um, so the last thing we did was go to New Orleans with each other and mm. and like play in this parade, um, you know, just right before everything changed. Um, that long intro about community is relevant because with Minor Mishap, I started going to a brass band festival in Boston and then in Seattle and then in uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, which is called Honk. And we have one here that some trombone players in my band started. That is, about, again, about building community. And it's a big free festival that, that the, the community of Austin participates in and bands fly in from all over the country and sometimes all over the world. So um, the thing that we did after the pandemic hit, there's a sorry, there's way too much background information here. <laughs> there's a song we play called Tracksuit. It's one of the first compositions that we had. There's a handful of writers on it. I'm not the only one. I'm, huge parts of that song were made by other people um, in my band. And it kind of became a, it became a com an anthem or like a common song in this 
international brass band community, which okay. includes people in Brazil and people in Italy play it and um, people in Chicago play it and people in Boston play it. And um, so when these festivals happen, we play this song that originated with our band. So when the pandemic hit, um, one of the projects that I started was called is called Worldwide Tracksuit. So we set out so we set out to make a new recording of the song Tracksuit and invited all the people all over the world who know the song to play it with us. And actually, I even sent out music in case you didn't know the song. But so we had friends in Brazil recording it, and we had friends in. Uh, especially all over the U.S. recording it. And ultimately, I had a I had like 70 tracks to mix wow. down. Um, so it's this massive thing. There's like nine sousaphones on it, you know, and people <laughs> in New Orleans, like just there's just stacks and stacks of, of instruments. It was a real mixing challenge, but it was but it was awesome to give us all something to do um, and something to, to work on together. And then just recently, we finally finished a video that's also collaborative, um, when we premiered that song, we even had an audience member and dancer from Kazakhstan come in. I had posted something to one of the Facebook honk musician groups, and she had seen it. And I think it was like four in the morning there or something like that. But she got up and did it. And and after our our program, she said, hi, you know, I live in Kazakhstan, and I'm trying to start a brass band here. And it was so fun to tune into this. So it's, it's wow. kind of cool. It's like the... The pandemic, I think, really made us, the community already existed, but the pandemic made us engage with each other, like over distance, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. It gives me it gives me goosebumps, arms and legs, um, thinking about that connection piece. You know, we, as a, as a group of social media managers in our company, we preach community, 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 community. You know, that's the whole point. We don't want to work with anybody who's like, bring me X number of leads from this. We're like, oh, that's so cute. Like, but you can do that somewhere else. Like, we would like to help you build relationships with people where you actually are, are having a, a conversation with people. And so seeing what the pandemic actually forced out it's almost like the pressure created something new and beautiful you know that you wouldn't have done otherwise um where can people find that song in that video if they want to see that um it we have just put it up on youtube okay within the last couple days on the minor mishap channel and i can certainly send you a link okay you can um have it but i don't have a super clean link to give you that's fine i will put it on our website which is minormishap.com Okay, perfect. <laughs> How was that feeling when you had all those tracks and you were working on mixing them down and you could like, I don't know, can you feel like the, the passion from so many different people coming through and then and then how special and almost, I almost want to call it sacred, you know, kind of like having that responsibility of taking these these passionate works of art for, from so many people around the world and, and bringing it down into one beautiful piece of art together. Did you feel that? What did that feel like? Yeah, it felt um, it felt amazing. Um, <laughs> I just remember like looking at how many drum tracks I had and just setting aside a few days just to mix the drums, and, like, <laughs> not even importing anything else. Because obviously, if the drums are messy, then it's just a wall of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah, it was it was very cool. It was very cool to just bring it all together and um, yeah, and it's cool. And actually, it's funny because that is now getting remixed. I was contacted by like a Danish hip hop artist 
who knows about the song Tracksuit. Um, the song was in Fargo a few seasons ago, so it pops up, like people find out about it, and it pops up in weird places all the time. And um, he had heard it, I think, on, I'm assuming on Fargo, because we're not famous and no one knows who we are. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and he wants to make like a hip hop song with it. So I sent him a bunch of stems just fun two weeks ago. So yeah, the internet's cool, man. I know it, it can, <laughs> it certainly can be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you're also part of Megan Mullally's band. So yes. touring around with them, how's, tell us about that experience for a little bit. What What's it like going around with Nancy and Beth? It is wonderful. I love being in Nancy and Beth. The band's been mostly the same people for the whole eight years. So we're all really close and know each other really well. Um, and it's typically in a normal year we would spend like two to three months of the year on the road. Um, in 2019, we had just an absolutely amazing year, which felt like so much travel at the time. But in retrospect, I'm so grateful for. Mm -hmm. We spent, we did like a three week or one month residency in New York City. And then we toured in Australia. Megan gets, lets me play really nice venues <laughs> that I probably wouldn't get to play on my own. So we got to play two shows at the Sydney Opera House and, wow. you know, just do like, just do amazing things that I dreamed of doing as a child. And it's awesome. It's great. It's really cool. And I play piano in that band and I sing background vocals. Yeah, it's fun. I'm it's, finding it's with, we're doing for the whole month of June, we're focusing on musicians, almost like a, a kind of concert in the park series. And what I'm finding as I'm interviewing more and more of, of you all is that there's usually a lot of different projects happening at one time. Is that true? Or yes. You can't, there's no way to kind of focus in on one thing. You've got to kind of have your, your hand in lots of different things to feel fulfilled. I think it does help. Yeah. Like, like in Nancy and Beth, Megan Mullally is absolutely the artistic director. Like she is the vision and she's brilliant and she comes up with such cool things. Like she chooses weird songs that I'm like, what is this gonna sound like? And then we do it and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And she does this choreography and all this stuff. So it's really fun to just trust someone else's creative process mm. and be there to support it. But I'm a composer, so obviously I also want my own, you know, in Minor Mishap, I have almost the opposite role, which is it's, I'm providing a bunch of that artistic, you know, vision and, and leadership and making a bunch of decisions. So it's really cool, I think, to do, to do both. And then also Minor Mishap is rowdy. Our last record was a funk record. And then the new Daughtry Bean album, which isn't out yet, um, but it will be shortly, well theoretically will be shortly um <laughs> is like super mellow and and piano and and like bowed upright bass and stuff so yeah I just I need to do a lot of things for my own for my own creative fulfillment I think most people do I mean I could focus in on one thing if I wanted to I just have chosen not to that, those are three super great examples I mean I can say honestly Dachi I've shown your music to over 250 people you know and wow I have thanks never, man yeah i've never <laughs> run into anyone who doesn't like it you know like it's it's just that um cohesive or aligned with something that a lot of people can get to a place that people can get to you know uh, it's not it's you know, it's not like a, a a smaller genre that 
you know, some people like and are some people like when they're feeling this way or something like that. But the Dr. Bean music is just like you can put it on any time and get the very same vibe, which is which is usually positive and, and even humorous. Daughtry had a song about that halfway through it, you think she's talking about her boyfriend, but she's actually talking about her cats, you know? Because <laughs> uh, she's saying this and this and this, and then and then, he, then you lick your butt. <laughs> and everybody in the crowd is just like, what? Oh, they finally catch up and it's humorous. And so, yeah. I think it's really neat to see the the different uh, styles of music that you are putting into the other groups too. And Thanks I bet so it's, much. I bet it's even nice too, like just like you said, to be able to play different roles. It makes you appreciate the experience in a more holistic way. You know, when if you're creative directing here, but somebody else is there, you know, you there's so much less judgment about other people's roles and how they're doing it if you play many different roles in many different projects too. Oh, totally. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. All right, so I want to bring it around to social media for a second okay. here and ask, as an artist and a, mus and a musician, has social media enabled you to have a greater connection with your audience, followers, fans? Has has social media had that impact on you as an artist and mu musician? Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. I mean, really in so many ways. Like, like what did we do before right that fan um, letters I, I know that sounds silly I, I, I'm not I don't mean to imply that I'm on social media all the time but like if I think about especially the um the history of say minor mishap which of course having 25 members means that it's also just connected to a lot of people like there every time we do a show there's there are a ton of photos pop up and videos pop up that I never have to arrange someone to take even you know and 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 weird things or um we've done the first time we did the winter solstice lantern parade which is kind of one of our signature events i just had this idea like oh what if people made lanterns and then we hung out on the solstice like it was not even a very well <laughs> developed it wasn't it wasn't very well developed i made a facebook invitation and this was back when fa before facebook didn't show everyone all, all the stuff you do back when the algorithm um, served back your when content it worked chronologically. really really well for us <laughs> it worked really 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 well well for us back then because all of our fans saw everything we posted and um and i just kind of was like hey like get your kids to make a lantern and meet us in this park at 5 p.m and then we'll do a parade and about 800 people showed up oh my god that was literally all i had done Wow. We didn't have some big organized thing. Then all of a sudden there are all these people. I was it was a little overwhelming, but it was beautiful. And even cro Austin has a big lake in the middle and crossing that bridge, like when we reached the other side, the back of the audience hadn't hadn't reached wow. hadn't gotten on the bridge yet. Like it was really big. Um stuff like that is is pretty powerful. Like it's pretty cool. And then I think I'm also I joined social media because I'm a musician. I didn't join social media and then decide to add a a music account and I I do interact in ways that don't relate directly to music um through my accounts obviously but I have a, plenty of friends on Facebook that I don't really know who they are. <laughs> I like don't totally know who they are but I know that they're a fan that they have in fact I don't even want to say fan because that sounds somehow like unequal like they have been at something they're part of your community they are part of my community we have done something together whether they've heard a Daughtry Bean concert or whether they've 
you know, seen minor mishap in canoes on the lake. Like they have been at something and they decided to reach out to me on social media. And um, yeah, and it's cool. It's that interactiveness that's the that's the magic of it, I think. Yeah, both Daughtry and I remember when, uh, you know, when you wanted to get people to come to the shows, you, you had a mailing list. And and sometimes like a you physical would mailing actually list? physically mail things in the mail and people would get a card announcing your show. And then and then it progressed to, you know, where um, I remember when MySpace came out and I was I was so angry because I was already putting so much time into maintaining and developing my own personal website for the band. Why do I have to have this other one now too? And then, you know, Facebook and Instagram and everything. And now, now, now I understand maintaining, managing social media, managing all of these accounts. And, uh, I didn't see the value in that when, when it all happened at all, but, um, you know, obviously I do now. And it's the interactiveness that's that's the difference from the before and the now. So on the flip side, you know, we talked a little bit then about how it's helped, right? Helped you to organize in that way. Has has social media hurt you in any way as a I feel like did someone hurt you? Um, <laughs> like, like in, in what ways would you say that that social media might be negative? Are there any negative impacts on you as an artist or a musician um, with social media media being so prevalent? I don't know if they're specific to music. I mean, I certainly I have moments, especially this year in the pandemic, because I live alone and my boyfriend lives in Northern Ireland. And so it's been quite an isolated little time. And there are times when I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter again. Like, what am I doing? Because I actually, does this make me feel good? So as we, we talked about at the beginning, sometimes yes. Sometimes there's awesome stuff. Like there's something really interesting or something really like that makes you think or reflect in a great way. And then there's like a bunch of people, a bunch of things that maybe don't make you, don't make your day better. Um... So on a personal level, I do think that I have lost some time to social media that I would maybe like to get back, maybe would have liked to have spent in a different way. Show attendance is 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 like not amazing <laughs> these days. Um, but is it is it social media? Is it Netflix? Is it Spotify? I don't know. I don't know. And then maybe it will be like when this is over and then we appreciate that we can go somewhere in person, maybe we'll want to again. Right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're going to find out. Okay. That's a good, that's a good self-reflection. Let's dive into the pandemic a little bit more. And I want to talk about it from a psychological perspective as an okay. artist and a musician who's so used to having these, these in-person performances where, you know, we're feeding off the energy of other people in, in a shared space What's been the psychological impact of the pandemic on on you, on artists and musicians? Um, let's talk a little bit more about that. Obviously, it has felt isolating uh, when we were social isolating, right? Um, I remember, I remember South by Southwest got canceled, and I thought, okay, this is a lot more serious. Like our city makes, I think, like three hundred fifty million off of that that event off of that event like tourists and when our mayor canceled that i was like oh this virus this is something real is happening like this that was when i sat up and paid attention and was like what is happening and we had one more rehearsal after that and we were outside in a park and we stayed like 10 feet away 
And I just felt sick to my stomach even doing that. And I was like, we can't do this. And we didn't, minor mishap and I didn't see each other for more than a year. Wow. Um, because we're just too large of a group. We have different, we had, we had nurses who were on the front lines and then people with, who are immunocompromised. Like you just can't, you can't mess around about it. Also just if you made your bandmates sick, like that would feel terrible. So we just didn't do it. And we eventually we started doing some stuff over zoom. As we all know, it's, it's worth something. Mm-hmm. It's not certainly not the same thing. And you can't play music over zoom. Um, cause there's a lag. It can only go one way. So we haven't been able to play music together. Um, just recently we did start having rehearsals again for people who are fully vaccinated in the band. So it's most of the band, you know, as, as people reach vaccination status, we're, we're hanging out and playing again out in the park, pretty far away from each other, you know, trying to be safe even with the vaccine. But however, on a, on a positive side, the, the pandemic has meant that I needed to learn how to record myself. I needed to learn, um, a lot more, like I kind of, I knew how to make a demo, but I hadn't really gotten into logic and, and how to do this stuff. And, and, um, I'm currently really interested in music that is mostly me, me layering myself and layering synths and doing a bunch of harmony vocals and, and all that kind of stuff. So the music that I've written this year has been largely that, and it's been awesome. And I used to always, I think I was a little bit more limited in my choices because they were all real people playing real instruments, which is still kind of the, the Holy grail. Like it's super awesome and sacred that interaction. But in the absence of that, there is actually a lot that you can do. That's, that's very interesting. Um, and some, some in December, in January, some friends and I started a group we're calling production club where we study an iconic album from someone who's really outside of our own normal genre. That's kind of the key. Cause mm. if you really love someone, you've already studied them, whether or not you think you have, you know what I mean? Yes. And you probably have already incorporated a ton of things that they've done into your sound. So like really, really different things. We started with Taylor Swift cause none of us do pop music at all. Mm-hmm. And we did, um, a, and then we switched to Joni Mitchell, which is like, you know, hard the other way. And then we did like Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life and just different things. So we study the album. We try to write a song in that style and we try to produce it in that style. Wow. So it's like, you're learning all these different, um, levels of, of stuff. And then, and then, so one of our members is in France, two are in Canada. And then I guess three of us are in Austin. So it's pretty cool. Like that's a thing that we never would have done because we wouldn't have remembered, oh, let's loop Jeff in. You know, he moved to France, but we can just loop him in. It's mm-hmm. it's the same. So it's really cool. And we've all just been doing that now for, I guess for like five months. Yeah. Because one of my next questions, I feel like that answers a lot of it too, is, you know, how did you lean on technology during this time to, you know, to help you stay connected? And I mean, like you said, you never would have done that before. You probably wouldn't have even had the time before to like have a group of people to research a, an album and, and write for, 
in in a specific style that way with that specific group of people that never would have come to pass if it wasn't for you not being able to you know practice in person with minor mishap or be touring or yeah definitely we're all in non-pandemic times we're all way too busy to work on something like that Mm -hmm. so did you find the new music that you have been putting out for your new Daughtry Bean album? Was it influenced by some of that research that you did with your group? Well, so the the new album that's coming out was actually recorded right at the end of December in 2019. Ah. So it's it's a that the one that's finished is pre-pandemic, but the work that I'm doing right now, some of those songs, like the Joni Mitchell song just feels like a me song. Some of them are not something that I would put in the public eye because I'm just like I'm trying to write a Stevie Wonder song like I can't do that like he's a genius (laughs) you know what I mean like Stevie Wonder is a phenomenal genius so it's it's not that you really think you can achieve it it's that it's worth studying Mm -hmm. and like and seeing what what goes on (laughs) thanks Uh, see half the reason I ask is because I'm like I'm ready to start hearing some of the stuff that you did during pandemic where you're layering your own, you know, vocals and, and oh man, I would love to, to hear what came out of that. And so I got to wait even longer for that is what you're telling me. (laughs) Yeah. I can probably send you guys a link, but yeah, before it's like really out also, cause like some of the things are sound cheesy still, right? Like, like I'm not a drummer. Well, I can do hand percussion, but I, I'm not like a kit drummer so I just used like robot in a box drums. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound nice. <laughs> like it's enough when there's a pandemic, you don't complain about it. But then later you want like a real person to. That makes sense. To wail on the drums. So before I really were to release those things, I think there would be some some edits. I just don't have. You, you have a more patience than me right the i i probably do not have in any way the appreciation for the amount of iteration that goes into a musician's career you know living in the social media field where we're putting out micro pieces of content constantly 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 i have no i have no patience for drafts you know like (laughs) show me now (laughs) and i'm like yeah (laughs) let's do it i understand that they say that for a songwriter, the last thing you wrote is always your favorite. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to go into the last question, which I feel like you've covered some already. And so I'll try to see if I can find an angle that uh, that's a little bit different. Um, social media for good. It's so important for us to be thinking about how we're building community, how we're connecting with other people. Um, what kind of content we're putting out, what kind of content we're taking in. But I really like to dive a little bit deeper with people and just talk about their own personal relationship to social media. So, um, you know, when you talked already about the idea that, "Mm, am I spending more time on here than I really should be? How many times today did I open XYZ app? So, So if you had to kind of describe your personal relationship with social media, how would you describe it at this point? Are you healthy? Are y'all getting along okay? I think I'm pretty healthy, yeah. Um, like I said, I, I do have moments where I'm like, why am I looking at this again? Um, it's funny that you said something about um, like social media for good or what are you putting out there and what are you taking in? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's important creatively in music. Mm. Like that's really important to me. I really do think that 
energy and the mindset that you put into a piece of art translates to the people who consume that art. And so anything that I put out, I want it, I want it to have like a positive effect. Mm. That does not mean that it's all happy. Um, Chad can tell you that I write plenty of sad songs. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not about editing. Like, it's not that you can't allow a broad range of emotions, but I do like to think about what is this doing? And then I do the same thing, honestly, on social media. Like I have moments where I want to, you know, maybe we feel frustrated about what's going on and I want to post something and I think about how can I phrase this? Mm-hmm. How would, like, wh- what impact will this have? Like, like if I share this thing that's shocking and horrifying and makes you think that people are shit, <laughs> is that really going to like, like why, like, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. So if we can stop that person who's doing the horrifying thing, maybe there is a reason to share it, right? Like we've had a year of, Um, you know, obviously like something huge, like a video of someone being murdered by a cop that is, has like, has huge effects, um, or reporters working on, on, on things. But if it's something that it's just like an isolated person being really crappy, I don't know if it's uh, that. Like the videos of Amazon delivery people throwing your packages up, you know, do we have to be Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it's like, is this really going to help? Um, Yeah. It's it's funny because the one thing that I that just happened to happen happened that's not a good phrasing. Um, <laughs> I happen to get I qualify as a one B person in the vaccine in the Texas vaccine laws. So I have like a, a health condition that makes me qualify a little bit earlier than the general population. I happen to get an appointment. It was mostly luck but it was also sort of difficult like I had to click like on our city's website you had to click next like 300 times or something and because I had navigated this thing and I thought there are zero 80 year olds who can do this because the technology like it makes sense that it's online it makes sense it needs to be online we're trying to do 350 million people at once it you need to be using computers on the other hand at that time we were trying to get the elderly vaccinated but everything was online and if you weren't tech savvy you couldn't even navigate you know our the public health website to get to get an appointment so i started posting on social media like hey this is who qualifies right now this is how you make this appointment this is these are the weird bugs on the city's website and this is how you're going to navigate them. Mm. And then I got connected to people called the Austin Vaccine Angels who were making appointments for the elderly or for people who had like a language barrier like if you don't really speak English. Um I, things are mostly available in Spanish but it still is a bit easier if you if you are a fluent English speaker. So we were making appointments for people and then just in my friend group I kind of became the person that everyone would message like how do i how do i get this like and then you know like the okay 16 year olds can get pfizer okay 12 year olds can get pfizer like who has pfizer so a lot of my posts lately have been that which is probably not super interesting for anybody who's already vaccinated but for anybody who's looking for information i'm trying to to do that yeah so you can use it for good <laughs> it is that's exactly what we're talking about, uh, uh, using the community to to help the community. What platforms do you like to be on most? 
Facebook, Instagram. You you gone into TikTok much at all? Where where are you living on social media right now? I'm not on the TikTok yet. I'm saying the TikTok to make sure that you know that I'm old. <laughs> um, I am on the Facebook. <laughs> And I use the tweeter sometimes. Um, <laughs> no, actually, it's funny. So on on Twitter, I unfollowed almost everyone that I actually know in real life. <laughs> and I followed a bunch of like, and I did this actually before the pandemic, but then I increased it. Um, I followed like a bunch of scientists that were doing interesting work mm. so that if I go on Twitter, it's to it's to learn about that. Then during the election, I got kind of a bunch of political follows which are a little stressful now but um and then obviously i followed a bunch of epidemiologists after that so twitter is mostly not people that i know in real life and is is are like content makers of of you know um and then facebook is people that i know in real life and um and then i almost never look at instagram i just forget about it yeah, me too. Just kidding. When I open it three times just while I'm sitting on the toilet. Don't worry about it. It's I have problems. Why do you think we do social media for good? It's for me. <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah, IG is Lucy's bread and butter. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, Daughtry, for your time. Um, Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful, and I'm so excited to... I'm going to go look up the video. Um, the... What's the name of the song one more time? Tracksuit. Tracksuit. Track and and does it have a special name since it's the international version? Did you say that there's a... Worldwide tracksuit. There we go. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited to go look that up and uh, maybe listen to it on my drive today. That'll be really fun. Cool, cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Those of you who are listening or watching, uh, you're welcome for bringing on Daughtry. Uh, I hope that you look around for her, not on Instagram. She's not going to find you back, not on Twitter. She's only following <laughs> scientists there. So look for her on Facebook and especially probably look uh, at the YouTube channels as well. Look up Minor Mishap. Um, look for her in uh, Nancy and Beth. And uh, we'll send some love your way. Okay, Daughtry? Yeah, thanks. Hey, thank you all so much. We will talk to you soon. Keep learning. Bye. This Spry Space podcast was produced by Spry Social Media Marketing, digital marketing agility. Edited by Chad Hinman and executive produced by Lacey Fott.